0: The passage I'm looking at today is another one of the more tricky passages of scripture to interpret. So again, please be gracious towards me. But there's two points I want to draw out from this morning. Firstly, I want to look at the enemy of the purposes of God because he is clearly portrayed in this, these passages and then I want to look at the enemy's work through government and through religion as well and in the middle of that we'll show a video that you heard a little clip of there that from the Bible project that we saw the first part when we started the book of Revelation, this is the second part and that will help give us a good overview but Tom I believe is coming to read Revelation chapter 12 to us, Don't use this mic, Tom.
1: And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns, and on his heads, seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. He gave birth to a, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. And I heard in a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and all you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman who was given, but the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea.
0: Thanks, Tom. That's great. I don't know if any of you have been to a murder mystery type evening where you have to go and you have to go to a friend's house, you have a meal there, and you sort of have to dress up in whatever the theme of the evening is. Uh, me and Anna did this about 10 years ago. Now, um, it was actually quite quite good fun. And it was a Wild West theme from the turn of the 19th century. And so you had to go dress up, I had to dress up as a cowboy, Anna as a as a you know sort of cowgirl in that sense. and. Uh, um, and it's, you know, it's good fun. You're having a laugh with your friends. But all the time, you know that there is an enemy amongst you. Someone who is there trying to distract people, trying to disengage people, trying to uh, get people not knowing what's going on so that one by one, he can bump them off. And the job of the evening is that you're supposed to work out who the person is and then bring that person to justice happened to be me actually in that evening so I was brought to justice but anyway um, here in chapter 12 We're taken behind the world scene and all the chaos and all the confusion and all the evil that we see going on in the world around us. And we're taken to see the main characters of what is going on behind the world. And we see Satan, the devil, that serpent of old, here depicted as a dragon, a monstrous evil dragon beast with seven heads again seven being the sign of completion or, or perfection and so it's showing that actually he is perfectly skilled in devising evil. He's, a, he's an evil genius or a mastermind of evil, if you, if you like. He has 10 horns representing great power. So great a power he can sweep a third of the stars down. Now some people see that to mean ah, he's took a third of the angelic host with him. That's what some people see that to mean. Either way, we going to take that literally or symbolically. It means he's got great power behind him to affect this world. He's also red, the, the, the colour of blood and death. So it represents blood and death, which is his intention, which he wants to, to, to bring to, to earth. Contrast that with the woman in the picture, who represents the covenant people of God. She's clothed with the stars and clothed with the uh, sun and the moon. Now, some people look at this, some scholars look at this and say, actually, in ancient Greece, in ancient Egypt, in ancient Babylonian, and ancient Persians, they all had myths of an evil dragon, a woman, and her son, who would slay the dragon. They said, ah, John must have been influenced by these myths from the surrounding nations. Well, that may be so, but there's an excellent book by Don Richardson called Eternity in Their Hearts. Don Richardson, Eternity in Their Hearts. And he looks at how in culture after culture after culture, God leaves traces of himself in those cultures with stories and myths and things that are based on a sort of half-truth so that when missionaries come along, they can pick up on these cultural truths in that, that, that society and use them like a key to unlock the gospel. And his argument is just like the Apostle Paul did in Athens when he said, Men of Athens, I see you're religious and here there's one to the unknown God. So he picks up on that and he quite carefully argues that so it's probably in my mind more likely that John is drawing his imagery from Old Testament uh, pictures of of the people of Israel as a woman and the dreams of Joseph with the sun moon and and stars and things like that the child who rules is clearly Jesus because he rules with an iron rod a a clear quote to uh, Psalm chapter 2 where it talks about Jesus in his reign. And the dragon wants to kill the child and he wants to kill Jesus as well. Yet Revelation doesn't go through Jesus' life at all. It jumps straight from the child's birth to his ascension in heaven where he has defeated the devil and the devil gets cast down. It says this in Col- Colossians 2 verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Some manuscripts say, in the cross. The woman is protected too. And again, in this passage that Tom read, you've seen twice, it mentions that three and a half year period, whether it's 1,260 days or a time's time and a half. In fact, between Revelation chapter 11 and chapter 13, that three and a half year period is mentioned five times. So if you want to take that literally in the book in chronological order, Uh, which I said last week and before, it's fine as long as you're consistent how you apply it. Um, Then you've got five key occasions like that. However, as I said, it's probably more likely to be symbolic of a short period of time, and it's looking at the same event from different perspectives uh, here. And the devil is thrown down to earth by the archangel Michael. Again, don't get caught up by it being such an important angel, because in chapter 20... We see an angel, you're not even told his name, it's just any old angel, just a little angel comes along and is told to tie up the great dragon. It's God who is completely victorious in all his battles, in everything that he does. And God is the one that has told his church to go to the nations proclaiming the gospel. That's what we're called to be doing, you and me. But as we do that, we need to know that the devil has been allowed permission to wreak havoc on earth and even to attack the the church as well and uh, uh, oppose the church but he only has limited power now if you think well god why do you allow that to happen and those of you that uh, maybe not have come across revelation before or new to this thinking what on earth is all this text with all this imagery what what's this book about well there's a summary of sentence in this book or a couple of verses in what we've just read that sums up the whole meaning of the book of Revelation and it sums up why God also allows us to face difficulty in the time why we face it in our time on earth and it's in Revelation chapter 12 starting in verse 10 now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. He's no longer allowed to accuse them. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows his time is short. That's a summary statement of the book. You see, God's kingdom, and I love the theme in our worship today, actually. It shows that God's kingdom has been established through Christ's finished work on the cross. The devil is defeated completely, not partially, completely, yet for a short time. Until Jesus returns, Satan is allowed to cause trouble on earth and even against God's people. But God's message goes out through his chosen people who conquer not by cleverness, not by money, not by force, but by faithful witness and sacrifice. For God Chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being so no human being might boast in the presence of God. My friend, there's no boasting when it comes before God. It's just about us being faithful witnesses and being obedient to whatever he calls you and whatever he calls me to do. Remember, Jesus says, and I love this one of my favorite verses in Scripture, so I often quote it, I have come to bring life, and life in all its fullness. That's what he has promised you and anyone who follows him, anyone who turns to him, life in all its fullness. The devil has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that's what this passage makes clear there. When he can't intimidate people, he's not stupid, he's a mastermind of evil. He tries to seduce people and entice them into wickedness. It looks so good on the surface level, but actually, when you get into it, you realise it only leads to enslavement. It only leads to trouble. It only leads even to death. You know, just take a, a one in our society that's quite prominent at the moment, the whole sort of um, sexual promiscuity, which, you know, is promoted as a good thing in a society. Free love, you know, they call it, and that sort of thing. But actually, what it's led is to betrayals. It's led to much heartache. It's led to confusion. It's led to unwanted pregnancies. It's led to unwanted infections as well. And the list goes on and on. He wants to appear wise, the devil. He wants his ways to appear wise and spread lies and discontentment. He wants you not to love not your life unto death. He wants you to love your life so much that you shrink from death. And do what he wants to do and disobey what God wants to do. That's what he's trying to do. My friends, we need to be wise. Whatever is going on around us, and in the world around us, we need to know that like at that murder mystery evening, there is an enemy at work, constantly at work, trying to distract you, trying to disengage you with the things of God, trying to destroy your life. Things may look good, they may try to intimidate you, but that is his purpose. Notice the word used there again is war. He makes war against their offspring. As I highlighted last week, when he made war against the two witnesses, he's trying to attack us. So anyway, let's have a look at that video, Grant, if we can move on to that that video, to have a very helpful overview of the second half of the book of Revelation, just helps put everything in context.
2: The Revelation of
0: Jesus given to John the
1: prophet, that's what the book of Revelation is all about.
0: I've got a, um, at the end of this uh, PowerPoint, there's a link to that video series, it's quite fast-paced, so if you want to look at it in your own time, there's lots of information in there, so yeah, just uh, uh, you can look at it then. Sarah, I think, is coming up to read Revelation chapter 13 for us. But before we start, let's uh, remember back in Revelation chapter 11, you have the angel come down and he is standing astride on the sea and the land. So no matter how powerful the beasts and the dragons may appear as we read this, there is an angel standing above them. Their power is limited. Sarah.
2: And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, then the sword must he be slain." Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people and by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666.
0: Thank you, Sarah. To the early church, it would have been clear that the first beast represented the military might of Rome and the Roman government, the fact that the, the, there was a mortal wound on it, some say ah, it means that it was Nero because when Nero was excommunicated as emperor and uh, he ended up taking his life, the, the shock waves across the Roman Empire were severe. Many people thought that Nero would either come back to life or hadn't really died and he would come and haunt the empire again uh, as well. But certainly his evil reign came to symbolize something of what the anti. Antichrist would look like other people link it to the fact that after he died in a d sixty eight there were two years where there were three different emperors. so the, the, the empire itself looked like it may crumble, but then Vespian took the the throne and steadied the empire, so it could be seen as the empire itself, whatever it is it 's a clear counterfeit sign to the lamb who was slain, the lamb who was slain the beast with a mortal wound. It's a counterfeit sign from the enemy. And they say, who is like the beast? Who can fight against him? That's exactly what the nations thought about Rome. Up until that point, Rome had seemed invincible. Its empire had just spread and spread and spread. No one could stand before the Roman Empire because of their military prowess. And uh, as it says in that video, that actually all kingdoms that end up abandoning God or never have God in the first place and start focusing on themselves, end up drifting into becoming more and more like the beast. They promote depravity they restrict and even enslave God's people. And where they can, they persecute them. So we shouldn't be surprised that in our own nation, that over the last 60 years, where the church's influence has become less and less in the political sphere, that actually we see God's people being restricted more and more legally and also society itself uh, beginning to promote depravity above godliness. Nope. The similarity here as well, that the beast is able to make war and even conquer God's people, just like the beast was able to make war and conquer the two witnesses. It's almost like it's talking about the same event. The beast is given authority over the the nations as well. And as I said last week, the beast is identified with the Antichrist and with the man of lawlessness. So we can see in many places, people have tried to identify, it's this person, it's this person. The beast has been seen as Nero, uh, the Emperor Nero, the Emperor Domitian, the Emperor Trajan. He's been seen during the Reformation as various different popes. He's been seen as Napoleon. Hitler, I've even read about Prince Charles being the beast as well. In one one place, Stalin was seen as a beast. If you lived in an IS territory, al-Baghdadi could easily be seen as a beast. But you see, none of them have had worldwide reign. So he is yet to come still in that sense. But notice that he is, whilst he's given authority over the world, he's not got authority over the church. He's just allowed for time to persecute God's people. It's with heaven's permission so that we know even when we do suffer God has a plan and a purpose in it and part of that purpose is to show that we love not our lives even so that we don't shrink back from death. That's why we're called to endurance. That's why we're called to faith because in this life Jesus says you will have trouble. You will face trials. You will from time to time suffer. We may even get put into captivity. We may even at some stage be killed for our faith. But God has a plan and a purpose in it. Nothing can thwart his plan, not even a beast or the mastermind of evil himself, the dragon. Underline this scripture in your Bible, Proverbs 21 verse 30. It says this, no wisdom No understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. He is completely sovereign. The second beast, in the video it says it represents economies because of the mark of the beast and you can't buy without the uh, mark of the beast. The early church would have clearly seen this as linked to the imperial cult of emperor worship where you'd have to go and say that the emperor was your lord and god and then you're given a certificate and you could buy things freely. Without that, you, you couldn't. That's what it would have see, clearly seen that to, to mean. But it, So it more likely represents religion, although religion and, and economies were very closely tied there and actually they still are today today. Um, believe it or not. Duncan looked at, when he looked through the seven churches, he looked at how many Christians, out of faithful witness to to Jesus, being faithful, wouldn't go to pagan temples to worship and therefore they were chucked out of all the trade guilds and all the the banking clubs and therefore they had to embrace poverty because of their faithfulness to Jesus. The second beast too, is also known as the false prophet can perform counterfeit signs and miracles to deceive the people in the name of the first beast so the dragon is trying to seduce people as well as trying to enforce them through these two areas and you see it again and again in the world around us and in history there's on the one hand you get military force, you get laws, you get imprisonment, you get intimidation, peer pressure, mob justice to force you down this road that people want you to go. And then the other side you get Uh, the the seduction and the enticing of people through false ideologies and false narratives that make it okay to what these people are promoting to do, or money and pleasure and other signs can, can be used. Take, for example, Hitler and the Nazi regime. You know, he had a propaganda machine that promoted the ideology of the Nazi party which bred hatred, uh, or even more hatred, um, of the Jewish people and, and of others that were there amongst them. And then slowly by slowly, and then very you know, sort of increasing more rapidly, he changed the laws to enable him to enforce what he wanted to happen. And then once the laws are changed, he also used the propaganda machine to promote fear of the regime. Oh, who can fight against Hitler? Who can win against him? So there was—he p- was promoting it positively and negatively. Don't try and stand against him. And to greater or lesser degrees, you see that around the world today. In nation after nation, communist nations, you get the communist ideology promoting something whilst the party tried to force things. In Islamic countries, you get the same as well. In India, even though it calls itself secular, actually the guiding narrative of that nation is Hindu, and the Hindu religion influences that. That's why we can see so many uh, discretions uh, that we would find shocking in our news today. And even us in the West, who like to pride ourselves, actually... We have one too. It's no longer Christianity, but it's humanistic atheism that is the guiding religion, if you like, that paints the bigger narrative that justifies the laws that are happening in society around us. The world is trying to intimidate you and trying to intimidate me to be quiet about Jesus, to be quiet about the truth in the Bible. It's fine for you in your private place. Don't bring it out into the public. It's not, not for you Out there, that's what it's trying to do through its laws, and uh, social media, peer pressure, even mob justice is there, trying to enforce that. Whilst at the same time, through uh, through the media as well, it's trying to seduce people away from that by promoting a different narrative of what's right and what's wrong through its soaps and through its teenage programmes and even through the news as well. There, but they're all becoming increasingly anti christian and it's being stacked up against us so what are we called to do as as god's people should we shrink back in fear should we hide back in our private place my friends we are conquerors in christ as the bible says we conquer god's enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony so much that we do not love our lives even unto death we stand up through the Holy Spirit's power that he gives us. We draw strength from him and we speak the truth in love. We, we, um, we peacefully protest about things. We graciously write about things whilst getting on with showing the world the love of God and proclaiming the gospel to the world around us, knowing that God himself will protect you all of the way He is with you and anything that does come your way, God has a plan and a purpose in it. So we must speak out in those debates that we have at school. We must speak out in the workplace uh, for truth and for, for Jesus. We must refuse just to limit our faith to a private space because it was never supposed to be a private space. It's for the nations to hear the wonderful truth of God's gospel and God's message and even when we do have trials even when we do face suffering even if we're persecuted we can be safe in the knowledge that the enemy only has limited power over us it's only allowed to do what he has been allowed to do to us and even if it results in our death We are still more than conquerors as we then enter a realm that the devil has no power to touch us. We go to heaven and we get to enjoy our saviour's goodness and his favour forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. God's kingdom is established through Christ's finished victory on the cross. The devil is defeated completely. Yet for a short period until Jesus returns... Satan is allowed to cause a little trouble or a lot of trouble on earth and against God's people. God's message goes out through his chosen people who conquer not by cleverness, not by money, not by force, but by faithful witness and sacrifice. Amen. Amen. And that's the message of those two chapters there's many much more in there uh, that you could bring out but time would not allow Rob can I invite you back to sing a closing song as I was preparing this I felt there could there's two areas in particular that people might want the Holy Spirit's help on you know God has been so gracious to us during our worship time and meeting with us and uh, I think he's been doing that because there's some people here that know they need God's Holy Spirit's help to give them boldness when they would normally cave in when those debates come about or people ask you stuff and you just normally shrink back and you want God's boldness to say no I'm going to speak out the truth again so if you can come up the front when we sing this song that would be great secondly those who want the Holy Spirit's help to resist the seduction of the world as well you know For young people, you know, image and lifestyle that is promoted in in the world. It's very difficult actually because it promotes Christianity as boring, as untrue, as irrelevant. Get prayer for God to help you live for him for other people the pursuit of wealth I felt and the, or even the persona of wealth that you want to appear wealthy was something that has been on your mind something that you've been given into and God this morning would want to deal with that and help you resist that so as we sing this song can I encourage you to be praying about that and if God is speaking to you over that please come forward if you want prayer for healing as well you know we love praying for healing for people come over here we'll pray for healing for you as well And if you want to know more about this Jesus, then please come and speak to me afterwards. That would be great. I'll hand over to Rob and the band now.
1: You have
2: been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.